the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. There may not be a tougher job in America right now than trying to interpret what Joe Biden says. Now, that's hard enough, but then to have to explain it to the media, that's really tough. Jen Psaki has to do that just about every day. So it was inevitable that she would be in position to win this. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yep, and she wins it for this exchange with a reporter, I think it was just yesterday, from the Catholic Network EWTN. Following up on the census law, why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then should look out for the unborn child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions, uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant, but for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we've got to move on. I think we have to move on. You've had plenty of time today. Go ahead. Yeah, Jen played the what-do-you-know-you're-not-a-woman card, completely forgetting that her party is the one that says uh, men can get pregnant and the one that refers to women as birthing people. She's another one of those people, by the way, who could uh, win this award every week, maybe every day. As I said, tough job, but it does have its rewards, like being named the Windows R Us Jerk of the Week Award winner. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life, and he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft, breathable, but extremely durable, and Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. And Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as $49.99. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper and so much more. Call 1-800-716-8087. Use the promo code STAG. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code STAG. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Football is back, and so is tailgating. Whether it's Friday Night Lights, Saturday College, or Pro Sundays, Solaire Portable Infrared Grills set up fast and heat up quickly. Only three minutes to searing hot temperatures, just like the big backyard Solaires. The Solaire Grills will make you the master of the tailgater with the juiciest, most flavorful food in the parking lot. The fast grilling times leave you more time to talk up your team, and they cool down fast so you won't miss a minute of the game. The Solaire Anywhere and Solaire Everywhere portable infrared grills are perfect for any grilling on the go, from picnics to camping, RVs to boating, but especially tailgating. And they're made in the USA with the confidence of a 100-year-old family business. Amaze your tailgating friends with Solaire infrared grills. Learn more about these fantastic grills at besthotgrill.com. That's besthotgrill.com. Besthotgrill.com. 
Right now, people are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Nala's got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching and itching and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite, and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19-related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-In Pest Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-in Pestfree goes to work keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair dinkum. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code PEN. That's gopestfree.com, promo code P-E-N. Go pestfree.com promo code pen. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM twelve fifty and FM ninety two point five. The answer. Well, if you know your American history, you know that a president was impeached because of a phone call once, and most of the media were cheerleading all the way for that. The big guy made a phone call back in July that you would think might rise to the level of impeachable, but it probably won't. Brian Preston writes for PJ Media. He put the call in context, uh, and uh, speaking of perspective, and uh, he's here to tell us why it's a big deal. Brian, thanks for coming on again. Always good to have you. Hey, John, thanks for having me on. So uh, let's start with what happened after Biden announced a September 11th withdrawal. What went on then? Yeah, well, a number of things went on then. Um, I mean, first, we need to look at that date because that date was chosen not for any military purpose. That date was chosen for an optics purpose. That was a communications date, not a military strategy date. And that tells you that Biden was prioritizing optics over the reality on the ground as he sought to get U.S. forces out of Afghanistan. And as he stubbornly pushed that even as Afghanistan fell to the Taliban. So he announces that date in April which was a change from the date that he inherited from Trump. And he unilaterally changed it and has ever since tried to blame Trump for the deal that Trump had struck with the Taliban and the Afghan government. But the fact is Biden threw that date out on his own. Um, And then what follows from that, as I document in the piece, is a series of decisions and a series of events that happened in Afghanistan that essentially threw the war and all but forced Afghanistan to fall. I mean, the, the Afghan units did fold. Many, you know, they should have fought. But once it was clear they were not getting support, momentum was all the Taliban's way. And that left them feeling like they had no allies because they didn't. The United States was not backing them anymore. Yeah. So and who is or maybe was, uh, it might be the better way of putting it, uh, Sorab Azimi? So Sir Abazimi was a commando in the Afghan army, and he was he was seen as a superhero there. He was kind of Iron Man. He was, I mean, he was a, a very important uh, talismanic figure in the Afghan military. And on June 16th, he is captured in a firefight uh, by the Taliban. He had been calling for airstrikes in that firefight, and they never came. The U.S. was already cutting off airstrike support. The airstrikes never came. He gets surrounded. He gets captured, and he is executed. And I believe the Taliban actually distributed video of the execution of him in the field. And when that happens, that Brad Taylor writing for National Review counts that date, June 16th, as the day Afghanistan actually died. Because once Sohrab Azimi is killed and everyone knows it, 
the Afghan military gets the message that they're not going to get airstrikes, no matter who they are, going forward from the United States. Not even if you're so Abazimi, you're not going to get airstrikes. And they depended on airstrikes. The, the Taliban is flightless, and the Taliban is largely defenseless against air power. And you didn't hear a lot of stories about A-10s, AT-130s, Apaches getting shot down over there because the Taliban is, is flightless and, and they don't have great air defenses. So our airstrikes were effective in helping the Afghan army push back against the Taliban. And, and once those were pulled away and the intelligence was pulled away on, on July 5th um, and in, in that time frame, the, the Afghan military, they began to wither. They began to wither very quickly. They, they needed the air support, as Ghani makes clear in the phone call with Biden. He calls for air support a couple of times, and they needed intelligence. And nobody's better at that than the United States. Yeah, and, and so it's um, the, the, the Afghans had, had, um, had depended upon this for the whole, I guess, 20 years that we were over there with the air power. Yeah. And um, just one day they just decide they're not going to get it anymore? Yeah. Uh, so after after Biden overrules his military, according to Chris Wallace of Fox News, who reported on this the day I wrote the piece, um, and he's overruling there his defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, who I'm not impressed with at all, and General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I think equally unimpressive. Uh, but, but they were advising keeping some troops at Bagram Air Base, uh, residual troops for air support and for intelligence, the two things the Afghan military really needed. They, they had numbers. They had 300,000 in the field, and they had weapons. We had given them millions of rifles. We had given them armor, uh, not tanks, but we had given them you know, armored hum- Humvees and MRAP vehicles. We'd given them an Air Force with Cessna planes and these, these Brazilian Super Tucanos. Um, what they needed was air support and intel. And when they cut that off, that changed the game. And they cut it off so suddenly, too. When Bagram goes dark, I mean, literally Bagram is functional on July 4th, and it's dark on July 5th. No warning at all to the Afghan military. And that, I think, is a key moment there that most people are probably missing out on, particularly people who haven't been in the military, because typically the United States military is very sure-footed about how it hands off command from one unit to another, particularly in a war zone. What will happen is the unit that is in place will stay in place as a new unit comes in to take over command, take over responsibility for an area. And that previous unit, the unit that's in situ, they're not going to go anywhere until the new unit is ready to stand up and lead as if they've always been there. So that didn't happen at Bagram. The U.S. bugged out under Biden's orders, and there was no handoff whatsoever to the Afghan military. Now, Biden, uh, as every president is, obviously, uh, is the commander in chief. Um, you know, he's not a military guy. He actually, in the transcript of the, of the call, he actually says that. I'm not a military guy. Um, but you would think that and what you just described, and I know you're a veteran, so you're, you've, you've been in the service and you know what's going on. Um, the, you would think that everybody over there and everybody over here in the Pentagon would know that on July 5th when he says, you know, he just leaves the airport, that that's not what we do. That's not not just we, but yeah. not any no military does that, gets out before the uh, you know, before everything is settled and just leaves. Uh, so I, it seems like such an obvious departure from what they normally do. It is, and it needs to be investigated top to bottom because that that choice, that moment, if it happened the way it's being described, and we have no reason to think that it didn't, uh, the United States broke its own military protocol from the ground there in Afghanistan. That would be General Austin Scott Miller, who was the commander there, all the way through CENTCOM to the Pentagon itself. They broke protocol. That should not happen, particularly in a war zone, particularly in Afghanistan, which was the nexus of the war on terror. And what we've done now with all of this is, is, as some people have written, we've opened the gates of hell. It's going to get worse. He didn't end the war. He merely kicked it into another gear by giving the jihadists a country and arming them with uh, more weapons than probably 85% of NATO countries have at this point. I mean, it's it's a shocking handover both of the country itself to the Taliban and to the armaments. And so that, that whole part of it needs to be investigated along with the call that Biden had with Ghani, because that, that call is deeply disturbing. Biden 
starts out the call, according to the transcript the, the, that Reuters provided, starts out that call asking Ghani to lie about conditions on the ground on July 23rd. Now, 10 days prior, that State Department cable had come in from the diplomats on the ground who said the situation is out of control, it's deteriorating. The Wall Street Journal actually reported that part. So 10 days earlier, they knew that Afghanistan was falling apart. And on the 23rd, Biden is is asking Ghani to lie and that, that, that a lie is the only way he's going to get any additional military support. And Ghani's not asking for a lot in that call. He's asking for air support. He's not asking for the Marines to come back in or the Army, the 82nd. He's not asking for that. He's asking for A-10s. He's asking probably for AC-130s and Apaches. He's asking for aerial support and intelligence, not ground forces. And Biden wouldn't give him that. And again, um, to 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 do to do what you just described, and then to a month later say that they had no idea that this was going to happen, that's a yeah. gigantic lie, isn't it? I mean, once they once they pulled out of the airport in Bagram, uh, and they and after uh, Biden talked to Ghani, and after he told Ghani he wasn't getting what he wanted, they knew what was coming, didn't they? I mean, how could they not? I'm talking about the Biden and the, and the Americans knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how Biden and his top commanders could not know what was coming because Ghani had laid it out. He had laid it out in that phone call. They're coming at us. He called it a full-scale invasion, and he said the Pakistanis were actually sending ten to 15,000 troops over the border. Now, whether that's true or not, that is what Ghani described to Biden, and, and Biden doesn't really respond to that. Biden doesn't respond at all to the military conditions on the ground as Ghani is begging him for assistance. Biden is only responding to the optics, and he prioritized optics from day one when he tried to, to peg the withdrawal date to September 11th, which I, it, just thinking about that for a minute, how does any rational person think that's ever going to create a positive photo op for the United States to withdraw from Afghanistan without being able to declare a full victory on the 20th anniversary of 9-11? That's how poor Biden's instincts are on optics. And then you look at his instincts on the military, and he proves Robert Gates right once again, who said he's been wrong about everything for the last 40 years. Give him another decade. He's been wrong about everything for 50 years. Uh, he clearly got this wrong, and his priorities with Ghani are just – they're so morally corrupt to the point of being monstrous, the way he's treating Ghani in this call. It's, 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 it's a disgrace. And is it getting the kind of um, attention it deserves? No, it's absolutely not getting the kind of attention it deserves. Reuters, to their credit, they published the transcript. They, they ran the story first, public, pub, published the transcript. They got the leak. They, have, they ran with it. Most other news agencies have not given this the, the attention it deserves. They've kind of ignored it. And you compare this. You open the segment talking about the, the phone call with, during the Trump years with with Ukraine. Yeah. This is much bigger than that. This is, this is a wartime decision. Commander-in-chief, his closest constitutional duty is commander-in-chief, not you know running welfare or any of the other stuff that Democrat presidents tend to want to do. It's being commander-in-chief. And this is the duty that he is shirking and that he is he's, he's demanding a quid pro quo on from Ghani. You lie for me, create a different optics, and then I will give you support. And he knew he was never going to give that support. He had already pulled so far back that close air support was not really even a viable possibility by that time. And uh, I, I don't know who it was I heard say a long time ago, you know, we, you know I, I, I was around for the Vietnam War, um, and, you know, you hear constantly it's time to end the war uh, in Vietnam, and then it was Iraq, and, you know, now Afghanistan. And someone said... Wars don't end because somebody says they're going to end. They end yeah. when one side wins and one side loses. That's when they end. See, you don't yeah. get to just say the war's over. That's not how it works. No, and it didn't. It didn't work that way in Vietnam. And one of the things I've tried to bring up in a few articles is that after Vietnam, when we ended that war, Vietnam falls fully to the communists, and then. The communist Khmer Rouge goes on a rampage. They take over Cambodia and they slaughter about one in four Cambodian people and they enslave the rest. I mean, our the, the, the vacuum of power that we left behind, the, the vacuum that we left behind in Southeast Asia really led to it led to the killing fields. Um, and Af in Afghanistan, 
you have a regime that does not share a communist ideology, but they are every bit as ruthless and every bit as brutal, maybe worse. They are fanatics, and they believe that they have this apocalyptic vision in which they will win by slaughtering more people. That is the Taliban's, that's their thought process. So now they have power. Now they have a country. They believe they have this holy writ to wage holy war, not just in Afghanistan, but around the whole world. And they're armed better than any terrorist army has ever been armed in history. So I hope I'm wrong about this. I want to be wrong about this, but Afghanistan could be headed for a killing fields on steroids. And that would be a tragedy, not just for the millions who are there, but that's a tragedy for the whole world. And we keep saying never again. We keep saying it's never going to happen again. But here we are. We didn't end the war. The war is in a high gear. It's, 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 you know, it's gone up to fifth gear now. And what the Taliban is likely to do is beyond heinous and beyond description. It's, it's, it's like uh, saying that um, the British and the U.S. Uh, could have said, declared the World War II over before the D-Day invasion. You know, yeah. well, war's over. We're going we're home. That. That's it. We're done with this. It's not how it works. Yeah. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. And we lost. Yeah, well, we lost by getting out of the battlefield. I think it was Lindsey Graham. It might have been someone else who said he gave up, Biden gave up a battlefield, but didn't actually end the war. And that's exactly right, because Afghanistan was the nexus of the war on terror. We were fighting over there all those years to keep from having attacks or fighting here. Uh, we've given that up. We've given them, not, we've not just given up a battlefield in this case. You know, We didn't just give up D-Day or the beaches of Normandy. We gave up an entire country, and we gave them a substantial cache of weapons. Now, not all of those weapons are functional, and there's some debate over just how much of that is functional and whether or not, for instance, they'll be able to fly those A-29 close air support aircraft. I happen to think that doesn't matter a whole lot because those A-29s are there. They're in the Taliban's possession, and if they can't fly them themselves, they'll have contractors come in and do the maintenance and fly them. Pakistanis may be flying them. Chinese may be flying them. I think the bottom line is that the Taliban's going to have at least a rudimentary air force for some time um, until those A-29s fall apart. And the A-29 is not an American aircraft, and it's not a jet. It's not a particularly complex aircraft. It's Brazilian. So they can get parts out on the market that don't have to come through the United States at all. Um, So, you know, a lot of folks have been too sanguine, I think, about the aerial aspects of this and about the weaponry aspects. I mean, $85 billion is a lot. (laughs) That's more (laughs) than the annual military budget of most countries. Yeah, we're talking to Brian Preston of PJ Media. You can find this uh, piece at pjmedia.com. It's a really good uh, breakdown of exactly what happened. Now, you you talked about what Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, asked for and was told he pretty much wasn't going to get by Joe Biden. But he also was lied to by Biden. What, What kind of lies did Biden tell Ghani? Well, Biden told Ghani that if he lied, that Biden would provide air support. But then he backs up even on that and says, oh, I'm not, I, I can't give you air support without a, a strategy on the ground. Um, but, you know, that's a, another example of Biden talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's telling Ghani to do this photo op, basically, with all these other Afghan leaders and that that will change perception. And Ghani is telling him the military situation on the ground doesn't allow for this to, to make a difference. What you need to do is change the military equation on the ground. And Ghani's clear about that. And, look, I've got no love for Ghani. He left his people, and we all know that the Afghan government was was heinously corrupt, and that was an endemic and ongoing problem there. But in this phone call, Ghani is lucid. Ghani is telling Biden what's happening, and Biden just refused to listen and lies to him. I think it's actually kind of hard to blame Ghani for getting out of town. I mean, he oh, yeah. was he was completely betrayed. He was involved in this uh, with the idea that he had a chance to win, or at least a chance to not get slaughtered. And uh, he sees the writing on the wall. He says, okay, I'm, I'm done here. I did what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, he got out of Dodge when he could. Um, you know, Hamid Karzai, who's actually also come under a lot of criticism over the years, he didn't leave. Not, he didn't, at least he didn't leave as quickly as Ghani did. In fact, I think he, he stuck around. Um, but, you know, Ghani did leave. But if you look at this phone call, it, it, it is kind of hard to blame him because you know the Taliban are coming, and you know they're coming for you. And you know they're not going to be nice. They're, right. they're the Taliban. They're some of the worst people on this planet. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to get you. They're going to get you on video. They're going to make you uh, offer some kind of confession. 
and then they're going to execute you on TV. And it's not so going to be fun. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be, no. uh, it's, you're going to be uh, looking to look like Mussolini in 19, whatever that was, 40-something. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Brian, I'm out of time. Uh, everybody should check your piece out at uh, pjmedia.com. Great job of uh, making that uh, pretty easy to understand, and it was a nasty deal that uh, the Americans Certainly. gave this guy. Certainly. Thank you for having me on, John. I really appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Always, always good. Same to you. We'll be back. SRN News. I'm John Scott. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says the remnants of Hurricane Ida took a terrible toll. The deaths that have been confirmed would be 15. We have two right here in Westchester, and there was an individual missing who has now been confirmed dead. And uh, again, uh, it's hard to even read those numbers because those numbers are people. At least 49 people in five states died. President Biden has approved emergency declarations for New York and New Jersey. Power should be restored to almost all of New Orleans by the middle of next week. Utility executives say more than 25,000 workers from 40 states are trying to fix 14,000 damaged poles and more than 2,200 broken transformers. Unfortunately, there is still no concrete promise of when the lights will come on back in parishes east and south of New Orleans. This is SRN News. Right now, people are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Olive's got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching and itching and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. A lot of towns have a river. Some have two. But nobody has three. Nobody but us. We're Pittsburgh, the city of bridges. 466 bridges. The most in the world. Take that, Venice. We're a renaissance city that refuses to say die. Might as well say we invented ketchup. But the best thing about this town is the neighborhood. The best friend or neighbor you ever had lives right down the block. Great people. That's what makes Pittsburgh what it is. And you have a station that gets that. AM 1250, the answer. As Joe Sweeney's plane left the tarmac and the Taliban rolled into Kabul, America's longest war was at an end. After years of working with our Afghan allies, the questions persist. Was it worth it? And what will the future be for those who remain? Salem Media presents An Evening with Joe Sweeney at Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley, Friday, September 17th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. An hors d'oeuvre mixer followed by a moderated panel discussion with Joe featuring John Steigerwald and Kathy Emmons. Learn the situation on the ground, who the key players are, and how we can still make a difference. Get tickets now at TheAnswerPGH.com. The pandemic has caused families to spend more time in close quarters than ever before. But if you're noticing an emotional distance between you and your child because of their drug or alcohol use, you may not know where to turn. Partnership to End Addiction can help with free guidance support and resources we work directly with families and communities across the country to help save lives and we can help you too to end addiction start with connection reach out to us at drugfree.org why doing it right roofing siding and remodeling as an owens corning roofing platinum preferred contractor it's simple it's in their name they're doing it right and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver call 724 new roof AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. I got smart about mortgages. Now, it's my house I go home to. I got smart about college. Now my kid's off to a great start. When it comes to your money, whatever you want to get smart about, you can find it at smartaboutmoney.org. I got smart about health insurance. Now both my finances and I are healthy. SmartAboutMoney.org is a free online resource from the National Endowment for Financial Education. 
We're an independent nonprofit foundation dedicated to helping people just like you get sound information about money. I got smart about protecting my job. Now, I'm doing better than ever. For everything from how to build an emergency fund to how to deal with job uncertainty, smartaboutmoney.org has the answers you're looking for. I got smart about credit cards. Now paper or plastic has a whole new meaning. Smartaboutmoney.org. The easy place to start when you want to get smart. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Inbound Parkway North, busy into the Fort Pitt Bridge. On Crosstown Boulevard, you'll see delays approaching Liberty Bridge. Outbound 28, around a 10-minute delay, Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. Parkway East, inbound, slows 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound, a delay of 15 minutes or more, Boulevard of the Allies up to Edgewood, Swissvale. Parkway West, inbound, tying up between Carnegie and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Partly cloudy skies for tonight. Good weather for sleeping. We'll see a low tonight of 54. It'll be nice tomorrow with intervals of clouds and sunshine. A comfortable start to the holiday weekend. High 77. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night. A passing shower or two late. Low 62. Mostly cloudy Sunday. Couple of showers. High 73. Monday, Labor Day. Partial sunshine. High 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250. The Answer. Well, the NHL made a big announcement today. NHL players will be playing in the Olympics in February in Beijing. I don't like the NHL players playing in the Olympics as much as I like amateurs playing. I think it's better when the young guys get a chance. But anyway, I don't like any Americans playing in Beijing in February, this time anyway. We should say it should be moved or we should boycott it. Back in February, I talked to Shannon Tiezi. She writes for TheDiplomat.com, and I talked to her about this. And now that that announcement about the NHL has been made, I thought it would be a good time to replay that conversation. Here it is. Would you say the uh, the movement to boycott the 2022 Winter Olympics is growing? Yes, I would definitely say that. Um, in the past few weeks, we've seen some members of Congress speak out, uh, saying it's not right to be holding an Olympics in a country that's you know, committing ongoing crimes against humanity. Um, There's also been parliamentarians in Canada and the UK speaking out. Uh, Human rights groups have been vocal about this for months. I think now that we're less than a year out from the Olympics, this question can't be pushed back anymore and it can't be avoided. And we're seeing a lot more discussion. Is it realistic to think that the, uh, the International Olympic Committee could change its mind and change the location at this point? If enough people Uh, threaten it. I do not see that happening. Um, The IOC is not known for taking bold stands on uh, human rights issues. Um, They've already signaled that, you know, they consider sport to be somehow completely separate from politics, and they don't think that boycotts are appropriate. And there's also the fact that when they were initially doing the bidding for this Winter Olympics in 2022, there are only two countries interested in hosting (laughs) China and Kazakhstan, um, which is how Beijing wound up with these Olympics anyway. Um, So I don't see the IOC taking a stand on this. It's going to be up to individual countries. That's a story in itself. Uh, why? Why only two countries in the on the entire planet were interested in hosting the Winter Olympics? That's um, that, that's a that would be an interesting uh, story to investigate in itself. Um, but but why is hosting the Olympics so important to China? China uses the Olympics as a way to um, prop up uh, the Chinese Communist Party regime, um, give it extra domestic legitimacy. Essentially, it it wants to create this vast showcase of uh, how powerful China is and influential on the world stage. Um, and the Olympics is really a way to signal to its people that China has made it, more or less. China has completed its rise and is a respected international actor. And that's exactly what we saw they did with the uh, 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. So we can expect that we're going to have the same sort of propaganda and celebration, not just of China, the country, but the Communist Party that rules China and is committing all of these human rights abuses. And that's why I think the boycott is so important, because you're taking part in this Olympics, you're directly contributing to that propaganda campaign. Yeah, and what what did they get, though, from hosting the the 2008 Summer Olympics? Uh, You said what they wanted, but uh, 
Um, uh, how, how much benefit did they actually get from it, do you think? It's debatable because the benefits are not directly measurable. Um, and also, right around that same time, you had the global financial crisis, uh, which China also used to say, you know, we weathered this crisis better than any country in the world, and therefore we have a better system than any country in the world. But certainly, uh, they point to the 2008 Olympics, the Chinese Communist Party does, as a sign of, you know, kind of the day that China arrived on the world scene, that this legitimized China as a major power and a major force in the world. Uh, and again, you, you can't really measure that, right? <laughs> but certainly, um, they got a lot of positive media coverage for China. You have all these journalists converging on Beijing for the Olympic Games, and they're not talking about human rights abuses generally. They're talking about, you know, soft stories like what do the people eat and what is life like in China and how much China has developed over the past 30 years, um, which really is an incredible story, but shouldn't be divorced from how they developed so quickly, which is they're an authoritarian one-party state. Yeah, uh, there seems to be just about um, universal agreement that uh, right now the Chinese are involved in slavery and genocide and the treatment of the Uyghurs and, and other groups. Um, if that doesn't get you boycotted, what would? I, mean, if, I think you know, that's exactly the question. I mean, you have the U.S. government um, explicitly said we did an investigation and we believe that China is committing genocide. Um, and if you're not going to step away from an Olympic Games when the host country is committing ongoing genocide. <laughs> Again, the question you ask is, when would you? And I think the implicit answer is never. Um, if this Games goes ahead, there is nothing that a country can do to lose itself in Olympic Games in terms of human rights abuses. Yeah, just a few minutes ago, I saw an interview with a Chinese woman who uh, was uh, picked up, uh, put on a train and taken to a camp. Um, gang raped, tortured, and she somehow survived it, and she's out now. I mean, you wonder what she thinks when she hears about the celebration being planned in Beijing a year from now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all of the human rights groups that have been covering this, um, including Uyghur groups, uh, groups and activists made up of people who have survived these camps or have family members in these camps, they are all universally against it. Um, but it's a hard sell for governments. I mean, we've seen what China has done to Australia, which all they did was say, we believe there should be an impartial investigation into the origins of COVID-19. And China banned coal imports from Australia. They put massive tariffs on several of their other products, beef and wine and lobsters. Uh, so you can imagine how bad the uh, retaliation from China would be in terms of, you know, blocking trade with uh, any country that would dare to come out and boycott the Olympics. So I think China knows that it has this card and it's been threatening any country that steps out of line is going to get hit. We're talking to Shannon Tiesi of The uh, Diplomat. She's the editor at The Diplomat. And you can find, is it thediplomat.com, Shannon? That's us. Okay. Now, I'm just wondering, did you happen to hear the soundbite that's making the rounds from Joe Biden's um, town hall last night where he kind of gave the Chinese a pass on their um, their human rights issues because it's part of the culture and, you know, they need the control? I did, I did not hear that particular one. Um, I did hear the White House spokesman a few days ago explicitly said that they're not discussing uh, a boycott at the moment. Yeah. Well, he uh, you'll hear it, I'm sure, somewhere today because it's everywhere. But he he basically uh, said that he's he's um, the, the Chinese leadership uh, has a, has a has their own issues and um, that part of the culture is being in control because of pressure from the outside world. They have to make sure that it was a, it was a really bad answer uh, and he's getting beat. They're, they're beating him up about it pretty good. And he, he deserves it. Um, so he doesn't sound like a guy who's going to get behind a boycott. So um, what, what do you mean when you say that there's a massive overlap between countries that would be expected to perform well 
and the countries that would be most likely to take part in a boycott? Sure. Um, so in 2020, you had 37 countries sign a letter to the UN Human Rights Council denouncing China's Xinjiang policies. So these are the countries that are most likely to take part in a boycott. Again, this is not a guarantee because, as I said, there's there's serious going to be serious consequences for this, and it's going to take real courage for these governments to step up. But those 37 countries, if you look at them on a map, it's the U.S., it's Canada. It's almost all of Western Europe, Japan. Um, these are the countries that traditionally dominate the Winter Olympics. Um, I went and crunched some of the numbers, and collectively, these 37 countries who signed this letter won 90% of the gold medals uh, at the 2018 Winter Olympics. And they won... Um, 85% of the total medals at Winter Olympics throughout history. So you imagine if someone and some government was willing to take the initiative and got these 37 countries, you know, to literally put their money where their mouth is and say, we're not taking part in this Olympics, that's, you know, 85 to 90% of the medals that would have been won at Beijing are, are not going to be won by these people. And what I've been saying is you get these countries who are, you know, most of the medal contenders in most of the sports, you organize an alternative competition and that solves your problem of this is unfair to the athletes. Because in that case, most of their major competitors would be at this alternative competition and not in Beijing. Yeah. And I think you point out in your piece uh, that in 1980, when the, uh, the uh, U.S. boycotted the 1980 Olympics in Moscow, um, enough countries showed up that it was, you know, I mean, it was not good to not have the U.S. there, but they, they still had a, they had a pretty good time. They had a lot of competition, and, you know, the, the enough, enough competitive countries showed up that the U.S. wasn't missed all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's because the Summer Olympics is just a different beast. Uh, from the Winter Olympics. There are far more countries around the world that take part in those sports. The Winter Olympics, and again, you can argue all day about what this means for the Winter Olympics in general, but it's concentrated in the Northern Hemisphere and especially in um, the U.S., Canada, Western Europe, and also Russia. Uh, Russia is the one major medal winner that would wholeheartedly back China um, they have consistently said they have no problem with what's going on in Xinjiang. So they're going to be showing up in Beijing, regardless of what's going on. But, you know, they could conceivably be the only ones there who are serious uh, winter athletes if we can get a boycott going. Yeah, those 23 countries that you talk about, um, them not showing up would make the Olympics a pretty, well, I think you referred to it as a flop. It would be pretty meaningless. But what mm-hmm. would that do to China? on the world stage, or what would it do to them in the eyes of their own people? To the, uh, to it the would Communist be Party. a massive embarrassment for China. And I'm sure that they would try to spin it as, you know, the U.S. has it out for China, and this is part of a strategy to ridicule China and contain China. Um, they've been very, very defensive about uh, any criticism over Xinjiang. But the thing about China is they're always trying to control the information their population gets, right? But they've been hyping up this Olympics. As I said, it's very important to them for propaganda purposes. And you can't hide the fact that uh, all of the major medal-winning countries, with the exception of Russia, just don't show up. Uh, and all of a sudden, you have almost none of the top competitors in the winter sports at your prestige event. It's no longer a prestige event. Um, So it would be a huge embarrassment for the Chinese Communist Party. Now, the big question is, would this actually change what they're doing in Xinjiang? And that is much more debatable. They've signaled really no intention to change what they're doing. But we do have some evidence that all this international pressure is having an impact. Some of the survivors of the camps have said, you know, things started getting a little bit better um, after, you know, 2018 when this really burst into the public consciousness and media outlets started looking into it. So I think there's a possibility that it might change things for the better, but there's also just the moral fact that 
you know, it's it's wrong to help a government that's committing genocide make itself look good by hosting an international sporting event. And, of course, the other thing, Shannon, is that uh, if the Olympics do go off as planned and there's no major boycott, that would put some pressure on the media if they do go there to cover the games, that they would ask questions about that, do as much investigating as they could. I mean, in a communist country, good luck with that. But they'd ha- it would be up to the, the American network. I, I'm guessing it's NBC and the networks from mm-hmm. the other countries to expose it, wouldn't it? I mean, that, they could turn it into a positive by, by exposing what's going on. But I, I don't have a lot of confidence that would do that. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to do reporting in China, and especially within Xinjiang. Really, the only way you can get in there is if the Chinese government invites you on a reporting trip, and then you're talking to people who have been, you know, threatened or bribed into saying only the things that the Chinese government um, wants them to say. I mean, you can you can watch videos that have come out of these reporting trips, and they're kind of eerie, these people in these camps singing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Uh, it's real uh, dystopian sort of things. So it's going to be hard for them to do any new reporting on this. Um, I think what you would have to do is just highlight the existing reporting. Um, talk to survivors who have left the camps. Just make sure that when you're showing the Olympics, you're not just showing the positive face of China. You are reminding people that there are people in Western China who are, you know, detained purely because of their race and their religion. Um, and make sure that that never goes overlooked. Shannon, I'm, I'm out of time. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm hoping to have you on again as this, uh, as we get closer to the event a year from now. And I hope you uh, continue to push this movement. I I really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Okay, that's Shannon Tiazzi of The Diplomat. You can check her out at thediplomat.com, and we'll be right back. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest-rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's. So thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Traders, listen up. As life in America starts to return to normal, are you looking for the best trading opportunities? With the current real estate market, the rise of crypto, and the volatility of tech stocks, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 to learn how our technology analyzes over 1 million data points per day. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 so you can learn how to predict market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. 
whether you're trading stocks, options, forex, futures, or crypto. Vantage Point's patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find out how to maximize your gains. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 to learn how to use the volatility to your advantage. Don't wait. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 now. By texting in, you consent to receive calls, voice, and text messages using automated technology regarding offers by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we spent uh, the first segment talking a lot about Afghanistan and what went on over there. And uh, Brian Preston did a good job of breaking it down. You can check his piece out at pjmedia.com. Another way you can find out uh, exactly what happened there or get a really good uh, bit of insight into what happened is by showing up at uh, Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley two weeks from tonight between 6 and 8.30. I'll be there with uh, Kathy Emmons from our sister station, Word FM, and we will be there to uh, have a panel discussion with a guy named Joe Sweeney who was on the show here a week and a half or so ago. He was a, uh, a security contractor over there. And he got out on a plane just as the country was uh, falling. And uh, he has a lot of things to say about what he saw, what went wrong, what should have been done, uh, was it worth it, uh, what's going to happen to the people who remain over there. And he knows firsthand. He's been there multiple times. Uh, He's a Pittsburgh guy. It's actually from Moon Township. So uh, you'll be able to uh, ask him questions and listen to me and uh, Kathy asking him questions. Two weeks from tonight, Christ Church at Grove Farm. That's in Sewickley. You can get tickets now at theanswerpgh.com. Hors d'oeuvres, a mixer followed by a moderated panel discussion. And I hope you're there uh, two weeks from tonight. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks to Gary and Darren for their help. I'll talk to Yins on Tuesday. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.